We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started on today's podcast and chill with Mike Kaufman, a.k.a. Overtime Mikey, Patreon roll call, Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Platees, Devin Rendon, Corey Johnson Hoops, and Ryan Pisner. Thank you all for your contributions to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. For as little as $5 a month, you get exclusive content, Patreon exclusives, access to the Discord, episodes early. And if you pledge for an entire year in the $5, 10 20 or $40 tier on Patreon for the whole year, not only do you get 15% off, which is equal to two months free, you're also going to get merch. And as well as if you pledge in the Supermax, which is the $40 tier, immediately, immediately, even if it's a one-off, you're going to get a free merch item. So, congrats. Once again, patreon.com slash veterans minimum. Okay, today's episode, I'm super pumped. My guy, Mike Kaufman, is on. He works for Overtime, a site and social media power that I've been a big fan of for a long time. We've DM'd each other for a while now. Really, really down-to-earth, cool dude. And we talk about his come up in sports media, him working with Overtime. The Overtime Elite League, which is fascinating. This is a league which is being started by them and it's basically gonna allow and pay high school athletes instead of going to college they can play in this league it's just me talking about it right now doesn't do it justice it's it's an amazing conversation and then we just get to pick the brain of mike kaufman who also played professional basketball overseas and do got ups for a white guy white man can't jump don't apply to him so I really enjoyed this conversation. Shouts to Mike, man. Really cool dude. And I appreciate your time. Check it out. Tell us what you think. And we'll catch you guys next time on VM. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas at the Lame Show, as you can find me. My guy, we finally set this up, bro. Finally here, back in New York. 
back in New York. First and foremost, thank you for joining me. My guy, Mikey Kaufman. Mike Kaufman, Overtime Mike. What up, what up? Happy to be here. Dude. Came out to Queens. Shout out to you. Do you, do you come to Queens often? I do not. No? I don't. Is there a reason why? Is it just too I mean, far? Or? Well, my office is in Brooklyn, and I live in Manhattan, so like, I kind of just, I mean, I like spending most of my time in Manhattan, um, but but I'm definitely trying to explore. Like, I think tonight I hit up my buddy and I was like, what, what's some good spots? I'm trying to get some like good, like Greek food or something mm. out here. So. Bro, I'm Greek, dude. Just uh, fucking ask me. Uh, sure, I can ask you. <laughs> what, what, what's your, what's your good neighborhood spot? So there, it, like, it, like a quick, like a quick, like secret, like falafel or something like that, you know? So you can get like uh King Suvlaki's pretty popping. I know those dudes too. They're, um, they're on 31st and 31st. I should have told him about this. Maybe get some hookups too, you know, cheap plug. But uh, the food trucks, man, a lot of food trucks are popping, especially the ones over here in Queens. If you're looking for fish, uh, Kiklades is like top of the food chain. Like George Clooney goes there, Orlando wow. Bloom. It's like they have pictures all over the walls of like famous celebrities and shit. Wow. But uh, yeah, the, the thing I say about Queens and Astoria in particular is it might be and this is going to sound super ignorant because I haven't been to many places in the world, but it might be the most diverse place in the world. And a lot of people have said that because, like, bro, if you walk down Steinway Street, you'll hit all within a two block radius. You'll hit Moroccan, Egyptian, French, South Korean, Mexican, Venezuelan, Greek, Italian, like restaurants just stacked on top of each other. Yeah. No, I've heard. I've heard. That's why, like. There's a lot of hype about like Manhattan restaurants and stuff, and I've had some of the best food ever in Manhattan. But I know that like Brooklyn and Queens actually probably have the best food, realistically, out of the five boroughs. Uh, so I gotta I do some more exploring for sure. I'm a no. pretty big foodie, so yeah. I mean, dude, you're in maggot shape too. I see you fucking dunking and shit, and you always playing ball. You play ball overseas, right? Yeah, I played ball overseas back in 2014, 2016 in Israel. Um, pretty really cool experience. Speaking of Mediterranean food, mm -hmm. that's where I got on with my hummus and falafel out there. There you, know you go. That's what's up. How long? So you played there for what? Two years, you said? Yeah, just about two years. What's that experience like? It was like basketball wise, it didn't go as well as I was hoping. Like I wasn't progressing the way you dream where like you go over there and like just drop 30 you drop 30 you're the starting player like next thing you know like you're signing a bigger contract you know your 10-year career or whatever like it wasn't going like that for me i knew that you know i did think i was good enough to play at that level and i knew it would just take some time um to you know make my way pull but, that pull that mic just a little closer to you yeah, yeah it adjusts too so you see how like the yeah yeah like this yeah that's, that's cool it's good yeah just makes uh, editing a lot easier for me later on. Got you. Um, so, yeah, you, th you felt like it didn't progress? Yeah, so I wasn't progressing the way I wanted, and I just had a big, like, I graduated college pretty young, so I finished undergrad four years. I played four years at a D3 school in Boston, and then I, um, so I was only 21. So then after two years of playing in Israel, I was, like, 23, and I was like, okay, like, I can either keep trying to do this basketball thing, make kind of, like, shit money, and try to grind it out and try to, uh, make make a name for myself or I could come back to the States where I knew I really wanted to end up down the road um, and try to find a career somewhere else, which is, I also wanted to prove that I could like have a professional career outside of sports. I mean, outside of playing sports. Um, so I, I decided to hang it up at the, at the time and move to New York with no job. And that's when I came across overtime. 
Hmm. So originally, where are you from? So I was born uh, in Westchester, just out of the city here. That's why I'm a Knicks, Jets, Mets fan, which is like the worst combination Bro, ever. Bro, Knicks, right Mets, and I like the Rangers, and my favorite team is the Giants. So I, I picked the right football team for the time you being. You picked the right football <laughs> team, but we can share some of the same Yeah, agony. same pain, bro, same pain. But I, I grew up in South Florida, um, so... You know, I grew around Heat fans, and, like, I had to live around all my friends when LeBron and was on the Heat. It was a terrible time. Uh, and even the Marlins, like, as trash as they are year to year, they've still won a World Series in, what, 97 and 03. Bro, it's the most so, random thing. Like, yeah. they'll just out of nowhere just put together a bomb squad, and you're like, yeah. how the hell did this and, happen? And then the next year, they just, like, get rid they of sell everyone. They sell everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, the do- luckily, the Dolphins are really trash, and they've always been pretty much, like, since Marino. So, as long as I can remember... The Jets have actually probably been more competent than the Dolphins. But other than that, like, yeah, so I'm really kind of like a hybrid, right? It's like I have this, like, such I have such respect and, like, my DNA is, like, New York. Uh, but then again, like, I grew up in South Florida, so I am a little bit of, like, a Florida boy. But mm. clearly my love for New York brought me back. And, you know, I've been living in the city now for about five years. Kind of dipped out during the pandemic for a little bit, but so pumped to be back, and I plan on being here at least for the next five years for sure. That's how we connected. I had uh, shouts to Jarrell, Jarrell Harris. I had him on the pod, and then uh, we started following each other and then connected, and uh, I was like, dude, I would love to get you on the show. He's like, yo, man, when I'm back in New York, let's do it. I was like, where you at now? And you're like, Florida. I'm like, this motherfucker. Yo, mad people left to go to Florida, man. Yeah. During like, the pandemic. How was that experience for you? Because you, so, you were there for a while. Like, I had friends go for a week or two. You were there. So, it was crazy. So, like, uh, I live with my fiance, Lauren, and basically, we, like, we both work remote. We both have jobs, like, kind of in technology, and we were able to work remote, which is really fortunate. Um, and we just kind of had this breaking point where, like, you know, we were all in denial at first about the pandemic. We thought it'd be, like, you know, a month or three months. And then like, we kind of all slowly got out of the, her delusional denial. And we're like, Oh shit, like this is not gonna like, we're stuck in this for a while. So once we kind of got over that hump, we were like, yo, we want to like, we were planning on moving to a new apartment anyway, when our lease was up um, in, in the city before the pandemic. So then we were like, maybe we should just like get out of this apartment, put all of our stuff in storage and just kind of nomad it for the time being until like it's time to go back to New York. So we decided to do that. We literally, we were able to break our lease with like a minimal penalty. We moved all of our stuff into storage, like furniture, 90% of our clothes, everything, uh, which was a lot of work up front and was a pain in the ass. And our plan was to do like three, four months, you know, uh, maybe live rent free for a little bit at my parents' house or something like that. And then stay at like Airbnbs or whatever, mm-hmm. um, cause we, we wouldn't have rent. To, it ended up being a full year of living out of a suitcase. Insane. So we literally, we did it with one of some of our good friends because there was a, there, there was an open house, like their parents were gone in their summer house. So we were able to crash at someone else's house through like quarantine. Because at this time, like you don't want to like go see your mom and dad. Yo, no one you don't, do anything. You, you yeah. don't want anything. You don't want to get them sick. You don't want to risk the fat. Like that was the biggest threat was like, you know, young, healthy people are going to be probably okay. But it's like, you don't know how you're, parents are going to be reactive. They're over the age of 50. Um, and my, and my dad was like pushing 70. So it was like, gotta be really careful. So we went, we, so we went back to South Florida. We quarantined at my friend's house, like all together. We came from New York. Um, and then, you know, three, four weeks were, we were there. Then we went to my parents' house for a while. Then we went to Colorado for a month and a half. We went to LA for a month. 
then we came back to my parents for a little bit and then we went to uh then we were in miami for three months and finally back in new york just moved into our new place in chelsea and i mean man what a year like i feel like we don't even realize like how this is like how it's affected us like mentally and it's 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 you know i had a i was really fortunate like i had a lot of silver linings but you know a lot of people had it really really tough um but i think it's all no matter how good you had it during the pandemic like it's all affected us it's, mm-hmm. it's affected us like negatively in some way oh yeah without a doubt but dude you also just rattled off a lot of things that you did that's like really dope as hell that you probably don't do that if it's not for the pandemic exactly like experiences like that which the the cool thing about that and, and again everyone suffered a loss of some kind or like like even even me and my family like we lost our food truck because yeah. like we didn't we didn't do no payments on it for a year because it was still in jersey we couldn't take it out because all the health departments and shit were closed so we we suffered like a fifty thousand dollar loss like loss of deposit and everything so like everyone suffered in one way or another but it was cool i like hearing stories like that where you're just like yo we're just gonna sort of backpack around the country in a way yeah it, it was actually like kind of a smart thing because it's like we didn't know like you know if you could if you lose your job like you don't want to be stuck in some sort of lease, like especially in Manhattan, like the rent is crazy. So it was like, we actually became more nimble and our only reoccurring expense every month was a few hundred dollars for the storage unit that was keeping our stuff. So we became more nimble. You know, we definitely became a little more minimalistic. Like as soon as I got back all my stuff from storage, I threw out so much stuff or like donated so much stuff. Cause it's like, you realize like you don't need that much. You don't. So I think it was a really healthy exercise. Um, Bro, I mean, you know how mad my, when I moved out, my mom, like I emptied out all the drawers and I just like threw them on the floor, laid down like a, uh, like a blanket and shit so it don't get all crusty. And I just went through a bunch of things and I packed like three duffel bags full of clothes to, to bring here to my apartment. And my mom's like, what are you gonna do with all this? I was like, this is like winter stuff. We could put it up in the attic. And she's like, what about these? I was like, ah, we could just get rid of them. She's like, there's fucking tags on them. I was like, yeah, no, she's like, like I, yeah. she's like i don't understand it yeah i feel like the <laughs> pandemic like it kind of put things in perspective in a lot of ways like hey you don't really need half the stuff you have mm-hmm. and then on top of it like it, it also made you like stop for a minute and just think about your life reflect like what am i doing day to day because before the pandemic like we're all just we're all just so used to our routine we're in you know we, we're just keep going and going and going with not a lot of reflection you know, maybe we could be doing things different. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this, you know, and it kind of, at least for me, like, I think I'm, I became better all the way around, like, from every aspect, from my, my job to, you know, my training and my workouts to my diet, you know, how I am with my family. Like, it just made you think, it made you think and reflect and look at yourself in the mirror a little bit more. So I think it was a really, it, it was an interesting time. Uh, but hopefully, you know, people start it would, found it as an opportunity to maybe improve themselves if they if they could. I, mean, I think it's it's a good it was a good opportunity. Yeah, it was cool to see people capitalize on that downtime because a lot of people's I don't know. Some people say it's excuses. I like to think it's reasons too. Like I got friends that take two hours to commute to work, going and coming back. So it's like four hours of your day you're yeah. spending just commuting. It's so insane. I I get it that you're not fit or active or going to the gym because even one of my buddies now he just started this new gig and he's like you know we would always go work out in the mornings together around 10 11 o'clock in the morning and now he starts work at that time he's like yo i put in an eight to nine hour work week a uh, work day my commute is about an hour going and coming back i get home at like 7 30 it's like the last thing i want to do is go work out 100 percent. 
Yeah, and that's kind of how our, like, that's how, like, the job force and the society set everything up, and that's why it's so hard to, that's why, yeah. I mean, America is, like, super overweight. Like, everything's kind of set up for you to fail, like, as far as being healthy. It's, like, everything, like, the easiest, cheapest foods are the most processed, terrible foods for you, and, like, in order to provide for yourself with how expensive everything is, you need to get a job. You need to get a job. You got to work these hours. You got to work these hours. You got to commute. There's only 24 hours in a day. You're supposed to sleep a third of it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. So then, so yeah, it's like, it's tough. It's everything set up and it's, you, you're going against the grain. If you want to be successful, healthy, happy, like it's, it's tough. And I feel like people don't talk about that enough. You really got to push, push the boundaries and, you know, it's it's just hard. So when you come back from from Israel and you come back to New York, kind of unknown, don't know what like what the future holds for you. How do you stumble upon overtime? Yeah. So yeah, everything was really unknown. Um, kind of took a leap of faith coming to New York. My sister was here, which was a little comforting. She was working in the city. Um, How would you and- describe overtime, by the way? Because when I first got exposed to them. I feel like overtime found its niche and demographic covering like high school. Like the, yeah. these guys coming out of high school, guys and girls were phenomenons. And a lot of it was because of the brand overtime. Yeah. So I think overtime, you know, overtime is like the next gen. It's like the sports network for the next generation. Right. And that means like next generation consumer and next generation athlete. So it's like things are just changing. Right. Like it used to be like, people cared more about the New York Knicks and they cared about high school players. But with like with Gen Z and, and like young millennials and Gen Z, like I think they care more about what they can relate to in a sense. So like you, you got a kid like Mikey Williams, who's like, I think he's a rising junior and like they know he's like in high school, just like them. And he has 3 million followers on Instagram. And it, 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 what, what I'm saying is like Mikey Williams is more famous than uh, the starting sh- then I don't know was a good then and most of the New York Knicks players mm-hmm. may- maybe all like he's probably more famous than RJ Barrett probably he probably has more fans people want to see him more is he as good as RJ Barrett I mean he's 16 it's unclear right how good he'll be obviously he's like a prospect and he and he you know he should go to the NBA um, but we just kind of saw the way things were changing, right? It's like, and then we and we, we were just paying attention to Gen Z when almost no one really was. It was like, you know, we grew up watching these talk shows on ESPN. We grew up with TV, slipping the channels. Like, they never even, like, and then now some of us, like, older millennials are, like, maybe we've cut the cord and we're all on streaming. It's like, these guys never cut the cord. They never had the cord. Like, they've been watching, they've been consuming content on their phone 90% of the time. iPads, on, laptops. On YouTube. Exactly. Yeah. So... So we're like, hey, like, why don't we just create a create a company basically for them, you know, uh, content that's great for mobile, you know, things that's, you know, easy to consume, edit it the way they want it to be edited. Um, and we just take in tons of data and engage with our community, ask them what they want. And, and that's the thing, like, we don't make like, we hire amazing people who have experience like working on TV shows and stuff like that. Um, but we really just make like, what the data says and that's and that's the cool thing about being all digital which is what we are is like we get this amazing data that like a tv channel doesn't where like we see where our audience stops watching a video or we see like on youtube the analytics are insane and you can see like 
okay, this wasn't that compelling. Or we can look at the thumbnail or the title and we and we know how to optimize and and we're kind of making it. Um, and, and, and then that also is ties in with the athletes we cover, right? Like we don't only cover the best basketball players. We cover the ones that are enticing or the ones that our fans care about or are interested in. And that's not always the best player. Um, and, and, and yeah, like to go back on, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what your question was before, but it was like, yeah, like we, we kind of made like for 10 plus years now, there's been tons of companies like covering high school sports. Like you're able to watch like highlights of like Derrick Rose and high, high school and stuff, but no one's really taken it a step further with, you know, episodic content, longer form content, storytelling, you know, reality shows, things like that. Um, and now with our league popping off, everything's just kind of changed. And now the NCAA with the name, image and likeness, like things are just changing. Um, and it's just cool of being on the forefront. And I feel like we're on the kind of like the right side of history with this. Um, and it's just, an, it's a really exciting time for overtime. This league overtime elite. Yep. I think it's dope. And I think it's again, being on the forefront of something and with their name image and likeness thing. How did you feel about that? Like my stance was always, I don't know, bro. If like me and you played college basketball together, you were the starter. I was the backup. You're the man, right? You're the number one recruit. Do you get paid the same as me? Do we get paid the same? That I so the idea of like a stipend for an, a student athlete, I never agreed with, but I couldn't disagree more with the idea of if us two go out to dinner with our girlfriends and some booster wants to buy us steak dinners, we're gonna get in trouble for that. Or yeah. if you wanted to get a tattoo and the tattoo guy was like, yo, sign a couple jerseys for me and like, you know, $1,200 arm sleeve you don't got to worry about. Yeah. Like that's where shit got a little crazy for me. So the name, image, and likeness thing, like I, I think it's a great first step. Um, and I do think there's a lot of college athletes that think like, oh, my God, I'm about to get paid now. And like realistically, they're not because this is this yeah. is still like the top one percent. Yeah. It's like it's like if Zion was in college now like he probably would have got a bag right, right. yeah it's like the it, it and it, it's 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 about you know it's it's about how strong your social media brand is really like like i see like i think a lot of college kids think this is going to change everything i th- I don't think it will like i, I don't think it will for them necessarily it won't for that many kids like it's going to be the top percent the ones that are really savvy on creating content social media they're going to get some brand deals they're going to maybe be able to link up with influencer marketing companies stuff like that Hopefully, you know, we're, we're trying to flesh out like for, for now, like for our, our playbook, like we've been working with, with athletes in high school and we haven't been able to pay them when we wanted to, because we don't want to ruin their eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of why we said F it. And we started our own league so we could actually pay, pay our high school kids and create content around them and really try to develop them on and off the court. But before the league, you know, the way it would go is. We would, you know, we work with these kids. We'd really help grow their brands. Their social, their social media followers would skyrocket, and then they go to college, and we can't touch them until they're in the NBA. And then when they're in the NBA, they have an agent, they have the, a team, and it's and, and it's hard to infiltrate that as well. So, we're, you know, we'd love to have the cohesiveness of working with through them, working with them throughout. So it's like, okay, they go to high school, and then now if they go to college, which is which is fine. Overtime elite's not for every single athlete, so like college is still. Uh, you know, a good path for some kids. And then it's like, now maybe we can work with them. Maybe we can get them in some sponsored content, um, get them paid, um, you know, to help promote the university, help promote the program and, and, and the kid. 
Um, so I know internally right now, like we're trying to figure out what our play is with name, image, likeness in the NCAA and we'll figure it out. Um, but I mean, I think that's a good first step. Like things are, things are changing. Like back in the seventies and eighties or whatever, like if you wanted college players to be amateurs, that's fine. But like these D one college basketball players specifically, like they're not amateurs. Like they're, they, they, they're, they're like, they're, they're pros in every sense. Like one, they work really hard. When you work really hard, you should get paid. Two, like their college scholarship means doesn't really mean anything. And some people are offended by that, but it's because like they go to school for six months and then they don't go to school anymore. Like they're not getting a degree anyway. Um, and two, most of these players, they're bringing in way more revenue than what their scholarship is. Like, yeah. And they're selling jerseys. Like it, there's, there's no way, way to put it. Like something like this needed to happen as far as like getting paid salary in college. Like, I don't know if it's going to happen. And then like, like, I agree with what you said, like, the walk-on like probably doesn't need to get paid mm -hmm. like a salary, but like Zion probably does. Um, and I think now with the G League Ignite team and Overtime Elite, NCAA, you know, really feels the pressure and, you know, they'll probably, they're definitely starting to change things and we're, and we're seeing that become evident now. What's the list of, I guess, requests for a 16-year-old basketball, like, prodigy? Like, is their social media presence a big demand? Is like, are you saying for overtime elite? I'm or? saying just in general, as, as someone that covers that field, right, and that demographic. Like, I I went back and visited my old high school, and everybody's on their phones and shit. Like, everyone cares about Instagram and it's their crazy. followers. So, yeah. like, what is it? Is it what is like the I guess the list of like what they strive for. Is it a following? Is it being a better athlete? Is it education? Like, well, how would you power rank it from your experience? So you've like what they prioritize. Yeah, like what's their priorities? Yeah, I mean, I don't know 100. percent Like, they definitely care about social media in a way we didn't because we just didn't really have social media growing up. We um, had MySpace. Yeah, we had MySpace. MySpace I, was like the first yeah. big one where if you were in someone's exactly. top eight, you knew you were like legit. Exactly. Like I think. Yeah, it's like, you know, we tell we tell these athletes to build their own brands. Like, social media is a thing that really helps that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like, having hundreds of thousands of followers is just an asset. And it's a way to distribute and promote different things and create your own brand and make money. So, I think it's important for kids, for these basketball players at a young age to, you know, focus on that. I hope that they're focusing more on their craft than anything else. Um, and I think they are, like... You know, nowadays there's just so much access to information, like between strength and conditioning and basketball skill work. Like NBA players are, just, are as skilled as they've ever been. Um, high school players as, are as skilled as they've ever been. Like there's definitely flaws in the system with development, and that's one thing we're trying to fix with overtime elite. But all in all, like I would hope that their priorities are like, you know, school. Like they they got to keep their grades up, like for the most part. You know school and and working on their craft but yeah they definitely care about the clout they definitely want to be on overtime be in the content because it because it is fun um and they want to grow on social because they know it could benefit them in the future mm. yeah it's weird how everything correlates too because yeah you can have a pop in social media but if you're whack on the court eventually that's going to fizzle out 100%. so you need to have game too a hundred percent but that but that's another reason why like it's like, if you look even at the McDonald's All-Americans, right? If you went down the list of the last 20 years, McDonald's All-Americans, and like, there'd be a lot of names like you don't even know mm -hmm. because it's like, nothing's promised. So it's like, 
And, and, and some of these players, they fizzled out for a number of reasons. Maybe they weren't good enough to begin with and their potential, you know, and they just were playing in like a weak high school league. Or maybe like they did have the potential, but they didn't have the right team or guidance or program to develop them. Got there's hurt. Only, there's a, or, yeah, yeah, they got hurt. And it's like, dude, imagine if Zion got hurt in college and was done. Well, there was that he incident. Made, he would have made zero dollars. Yeah, that incident when like he blew out his sneaker. Yeah. Remember he ripped through the sneaker? Imagine, imagine it. Yeah. If so that I'm, was like I'm, an Achilles yeah. or some shit, you know, knock on wood for the dude. And, and, and at that point, like they're selling his jerseys. CBS is buying the rights to those games. Uh, that's millions of dollars. They're selling the jerseys. He has to wear Nike because Duke's a Nike school. So he just put in all these different things. He's making no money of it and his career could be over. And that's the thing is like he deserved to make money even in high school because he had a million followers. He should have been able to do brand deals, but he didn't because he didn't want to lose eligibility. And, you know, he just needs to be able to capitalize and have something because we all know how short pro sport careers are in general, um, which is why they get paid so much. But not everyone's that fortunate. So, you know, that's another cool thing about Overtime Elite is that we have like an insurance policy for injuries. And if they don't end up playing professional basketball, well, we, we have a hundred thousand dollar scholarship ready for them to go back to school, not play basketball, just for academics as like a backup plan. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's how we're trying to, you know, make a system that's pretty flawed better because that's the thing is like the way it's like, it's like Zion had to go to college for one year and then go to the NBA. Like that was the best route for him. And like, he hasn't, he doesn't have a degree now. Like what's his backup plan? Yeah. If he if, if if he just has that rookie contract, like there's no backup plan. So it's like they're kind of set up. Like they're set up in a tough spot. Like it's either like yo, you gotta make it. Like you gotta have ten year career or like I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's it's a flawed system for sure. Man, it's it's fascinating when you look at it from that perspective. Like, yeah, you go into to college, and, and some people would argue that these guys got paid under the table and whatnot. Yeah, and you've heard stories after the fact too. But still, I think what's fascinating with Overtime Elite is that you're creating something for... Now, is this going to take away from kids going to play college basketball? Yeah. As soon as you get paid as a professional basketball player, you can't play in college anymore. So for the kids that are deciding to go to Overtime Elite, they're opting out of college basketball. Um, now, are these kids... Are, are these kids Kentucky Duke level? Yes. These, and they're choosing not to go to those D one yes, schools. To, yes. Oh wow! So so these so these kids are the top prospects. We want it. We want the top. We want the top players that are on the path of the NBA. Like that. Those are the type of players we want. We don't care about their social media as much on overtime elite side. It's it's strictly like primary factor right away is can you ball? Hundred percent and. Because, I mean, that, that, that's how, that's how it's going to work. And we're basically, you know, we want them at age 16 because we want time to develop them. And then, you know, the route, you know, we're getting them in basically. It's a, it's a full-on, like, NBA operation. You know, we have, you know, former NBA coaches, former NCAA championship coaches, you know, str NBA strength and conditioning coaches. You know, it's basically like, a, you know, the GM is a, a, a ex-NBA GM. So it's basically like an NBA front office. Just and a whole, there's going to be a whole academic side that one gets them their high school diploma, gives them customized um, academics to what they need specifically, and then you know really preparing them for the MBA, which is you know financial literacy, social media literacy, uh, you know how to deal with these social justice issues. Like 
these 16 to 18 year olds that are going to be in the NBA in a few years, they're really the role models for the country. Like you see what happened with George Floyd, like you, you and, and the people who spoke out, like these NBA players made such a difference. Um, but it's like, who's getting them ready for that? How could you be ready for that? So we're just, we're, we're just creating a, you know, when you start it yourself, you can just design it the way you want. So we care more, we care just as much about the academic side as we do about um, the on-court skill development. But we're going to put an NBA basketball, NBA size court, run NBA offenses from the time they're 16, 17, 18, and we're going to pay them. They're going to have money in their pocket. They're going to know how to handle their money. They're going to know how to they're going to know how to play with the best players, with the best coaches, and they're just going to be prepared for the NBA in a way that just never has happened before. And 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 people wonder why if you look at the NBA now, Giannis, Jokic, Luka Doncic, all these guys are international. Yeah. And why so why are these guys better than our NBA players when, when than the American players when I thought America was the best at basketball? It's because they've been playing pro since they were 16 in real real programs with grown men. And that's what we're that's what we're trying to start here in America. Dude, verbatim, that's my argument. Are you a soccer fan at all? I'm not, but I I understand how that works overseas. Like in, if you're in England and you're not a pro by 15, like you're not good. you're not going to make you're it. Not make so it. that's yeah. that's the biggest difference. Here we value education. I don't want to shit on education, but Christian Pulisic, who's the captain of the men's team now, he plays for Chelsea, just won the Champions League. He's the golden boy for the U.S. men's national team. He's 23 years old now. If he was to go through the American ranks, right, he's graduating college 21, 22. Then he's going pro yeah. in the MLS. Whereas, like you said, if he's playing professional at 16 for Borussia in Germany, like, you, you have a six, seven-year disadvantage. When you're a kid 22 years old graduating from Stanford and going to the MLS, those dudes from Argentina, from England and France, when you're 22, you have six years. Mbappe now is 22. Like, That's about that like, kid going up against someone from Duke? Yeah. It's like you said we value education. And, like, we do in America. But, like, I think we're, like, pretending we care about education with athletes. Like, like I said. Like, that's a Z- good point. It's like, it's like Zion doesn't get a degree. Like he just makes the college money and then goes on to playing professional. Like that's really what it is. We so front like we care, but we don't. We front don't. like we care, but like we don't. Like, you know, that's a whole nother story. Like, because these colleges are just businesses. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, I got a degree too. Um, you know, it's, it's great. It's great to have your education and I'm all about it. But at the same time, like, you know, it, but, it, but we're really inconsistent because, if you look at tennis players and golf players, they're pro by 15 and 16 years old, and they're getting sponsorship deals too. Mm. But when it's American basketball players, oh, no, don't pay them that young. Like, God forbid, you know what I mean? It's like it makes you think, like, why, you know, even don't high school baseball players get drafted out of high school too? Yeah. It's just, it's just like just basketball players that, like, it's, I guess the NBA made the rule, so it's 19 to go in the NBA. But now we've seen with LaMelo. Guys like RJ Hampton, you know, you don't need to go to college. You can, you know, LaMelo dropped out of high school. He was a pro at 16. He played in Lithuania. Then he played in Australia. And now look at him, rookie of the year. And yep. honestly looking like a generational type talent. Yep, yep. Um, so with these players doing that, and then I don't know if you know about the G League Ignite team, but basically the G League started this team for the 18-year-olds where they pay them half a million dollars and – um, it's just a year to prep them for the NBA draft. So you got guys like Jalen Green, who you know was a top high school player, and you know could have went to any college he wanted to. Said no, I'm not going to college. I'm going to go to G League Night Team. I'm going to get paid. I'm going to play against real pros in the G League bubble. 
Um, and now he's going to look, look like he's going to be like a top three pick. Um, so with overtime elite, you know, we can have these kids from 16, 17, 18. Um, and then hopefully they'll, they'll be able to go to the NBA draft or 16, 17, then go to the ignite team and then go to the draft or 16, 17, then go overseas and then go to the draft. So there's a lot of different options still. Um, I think the cool, the cool thing about the, the overtime elite league is that you don't got to worry about that argument of oh they might not be playing with the best competition if you're only getting the best competition so that's why i asked if all those guys that are going into this league are eligible for like kentucky's and dukes and syracuse's of the world because then if you're if you're scouting them you don't got to worry of what's the level of competition you 100%. see that all the time in like the nfl right like this quarterback like trey lance just got drafted by the 49ers it's like, well, you know, he's played one game in the last two years, and it was an FBS school. He didn't play Ohio State and yeah. Michigan. No, exactly. But, like, like talent is talent, though, too. 100%. And, and, and that's what we care about. Like, we, we, we want to be credible. Like, we want these kids – we want the scouts to respect the league the kids are playing in um, and take it seriously. And that's why, like, the, the schedule is going to be diverse, right? They're going to be playing against – you know, they're going to be playing in the league against each other. They're going to be playing overseas against other professional teams. They're going to – we just recently scrimmaged against Team Loaded, which is like one of the best AAU programs in the country. Um, so they're gonna get, you know, there's gonna be a lot of different, a lot of different things, and there might be some traveling abroad as well. So, um, I mean, our number one focus is, you know, preparing them the best for the NBA, and that means they get playing against really good competition. You know, get maybe getting their butt kicked sometimes as well. So that's part of it. It's part of it. So, you know, we have a great team. And we have a facility that's being built now in Atlanta and a great team that's forming down there as well. Um, and, and it's just amazing to see these high-level people just focused on developing these young men. So that's pretty great. Pretty great. Man, fascinating stuff with this league. I'm excited. Are you, you going to be able to, to, to watch it? Like you guys are going to have it streamed or what? Yeah, so I don't think they fleshed out the full like distribution plan yet. Um, but... I don't think it's going to be like watch live. I think it's going to be rolled out um, like episodic, like an episodic mm. series. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there's going to be highlights for sure. Um, That's what you guys are all about too. So. Yeah, 100%. So you got to stay tuned. We're, we're definitely like, we're rethinking everything. Like everything that's your traditional league, like we're thinking like, should we do that? Why should we do that? Um, you know, obviously it's a big money maker to sell rights uh, to like a broadcaster. Um, and we need to make money to have a successful league. So that's something we're thinking about, but, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're ready to, you know, we, we, we're a very disrupting company and we're going to definitely stir it up here. Um, but we definitely, we, we can't mess, we can't mess with the integrity of the game. Cause like you said, we want, we want the NBA scouts to take this league really serious, but every, everything that we can make more fun and engaging for fans, we're going to do that for sure. If you love listening to us here on Veterans Minimum, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we'll help you get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all of this for only 15 dollars a month 
that is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. As someone who has been doing a podcast for a very, very long time, and even prior to being a part of Blue Wire, when I would upload either the Jerks or VM or Degeneration Bets, it would cost me $15 a month, sometimes more, and I wasn't getting all this extra shit that is being offered here with the Hustle program. So this is dope, and it's well worth your money. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in the episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. But dude, what about you, man? I see you got videos of you dunking and windmills and all that. You've always been the guy that got bounce or what? Um, so... What's the alter I, ego? So, I saw that on yeah, the gram. Yeah, so the alter ego, it's better balance. I mean, I've always... So the problem is, is, like, people ask me this. They're like, yo, did you always have balance or did you work hard for it? It's like, one, like, we'll never know because I always worked hard. And, like, I'm pretty sure that's what's correlated to it. But two... In high school, like, I was just so injury prone. Like, I, I had a, like, from 7th grade to 11th grade, I broke a bone. So, Damn. So, I was, like, pretty much. In through, your legs or just in general, just so, across the board? Yeah, it was, like, a stress fracture in the foot. Like, broke, I broke my, I both, I, I can't even keep track, but, like, I broke both feet and, like, an ankle. Damn, you're like mankind and in wrestling, just all these injuries. I don't know what the problem was. Like <laughs> Since then, knock on wood, like everything's been good. Like I, I think I was just like nutritionally depleted back then. I don't know what it was. but just And I broke my wrist really bad. So I had all these different injuries. So I was just always coming back. And when you're always coming back, when you're in a boot, like it's like I don't even know how athletic I was because – you're always just a little bit slower, and like you ever had your foot, you ever had a cast on for like ten weeks? Yeah, dude. You I, take your foot out, like so. Like I probably had all these imbalances, which probably made me get injured again and again and again. And then college, I started to finally like. Well, one, I was like more. My work ethic got better. I was more in the weight room. My body started to balance out a little bit. Probably I still had like a couple injuries in college, but nothing crazy. Um, and then and then now, like honestly, I feel the best. I think I was jumping higher a few years ago, but I feel the best I've ever felt now at age 28 because um, I'm just getting smarter with the way I train. Um, but, but yeah. And so how's like, your diet too? Yeah. So my diet, like my diet's definitely like when I was in college and high school, I ate anything, whatever. I mean, yeah, everyone yeah, did. Didn't, yeah. didn't care. Uh, I've definitely taken much more interest in diet now because I'm just like kind of obsessed with like, I'm kind of obsessed with like performing at my best, not just like uh athletically but like in, generally and then i'm also like pretty obsessed with like longevity and like i want to live a long yeah. healthy amazing but also life. like energy yeah. bro if i yeah. eat some whack shit i'm like oh i just feel sluggish the next day 100 percent, and yeah and I, i'm just really fascinated by it so i listen to a ton of podcasts on like health nutrition diet sleep um because i think there's a lot of information out there and a lot of hacks and a lot of things you can do to just be happier and healthy. And I think, you know, you just kind of have to put an extra effort to figure those things out. Um, but yeah, my diet, it's really simple. Like I'm not a big person on like diets, like, Oh, you got to go keto. You got to do this. Like, I'm not a big guy on like extremes. I think like you just need to eat real food. You just mm -hmm. need to eat whole foods. You need to eat healthy grains, vegetables, lean meats. Uh, you know, I, I eat red meat in moderation, you know, 
And I think if you like, I think it's a lot simpler than people think. Obviously, people have food allergies and all these things. Uh, now I don't want to be insensitive to that, but I think it's a lot simple. It's like eat what you need to fuel. Don't overeat. Eat whole foods. You'll be okay. And if you want to have, and, and I definitely have the occasional. I definitely eat pizza and ice cream and stuff like that. I treat myself and have cheat meals and stuff. I'm not because at the end of the day, you want to be happy too. So it's all it's all a balance. You got to live in the gray is what I've been learning. You so drink? You like to drink? I do. I do drink socially. I yeah. Uh, that's what I meant. I don't want to point you out as an yeah, alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, I'm not an alcoholic, but I very I, during the pandemic, I've become very fond of wine. Like I'm all in on wine. I'm just trying to learn like so much on wine. Like I'm I'm pretty like. I'm an all or nothing type of guy. So like I can't like half ass something. So like if if I'm not going to go all in, like I'm just not going to do it. Mm. Um, and that's, that's and that's and, and that's what's like I guess that's my personality and that's why I kind of only pursue like what I'm passionate about. But wine is so interesting because like one like you can know a lot and you still don't know anything. So it's like an endless field to learn from and then like two it fascinates me because like wine itself like it's like alive. It's like the one drink you can, it's the one drink that like one has had so much thought put into it. And two, it's like forever evolving. Right. It's like, and, and no batch is the same. Like you can buy like a, like the same brand Cabernet and like, it's probably a little bit different because it's just, it's just like an evolving thing. And I just love, I, I love coffee and I love wine. So I'm like pretty, I'm like, I'm trying to work on my like coffee game. I got like an espresso machine. Like I'm grinding my own beans. I'm like working on my craft. I'm like a very much like hands-on, like it's like if I can make this better then I want to do it type of person. But, but yeah, so I definitely drink a little bit, um, but I have a hard rule. Like I don't drink, I don't drink like pretty much during the week. I don't drink like on the weekend, I'll enjoy some wine. Um, but I try to stay like work mode Monday through Thursday with the diet and no alcohol. And then on the weekend, you know, socially, I care about my social life. I like talking to people, hanging out with people. And it's great to share wine. You know, wine's just a great, uh, you know, it's a great way. You know, you bring a bottle of wine over. It's just symbolic for so much. It is, um, yeah. So and it's also like something it. that you can enjoy and you don't need to worry about really getting like super twisted and acting exactly. a fool. You know, like exactly. you bring tequila, it might get crazy. You know what I mean? Like I, I like tequila and and I'm a big I'm a big beer drinker, man. I love beer. I mean, look, Stone Cold's behind me is my hero <laughs> over here. But like I just love IPAs, you know, and yeah. it's it's a heavy beer. You have two, three cans of them. It's like you, you're feeling nice. hundred percent. I like IPAs, too. Like. I'm I'm definitely, but I, and I also tequila is my preference for for liquor as well. Um, like if I'm gonna get a drink, if I'm gonna get a cocktail, most likely it's it's gonna be some sort of tequila drink, um, especially in the summertime. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I I, d- I definitely have made like a very <laughs> effort to like not have the habit of like drink drinking beer like after work. I feel like that's like. A slippery slope to like have beer be a part of your like normal routine just because it, it's just so heavy and caloric um but but i get it beer is refreshing and really tasty mm-hmm, and those mm-hmm. ipas i like I, I like the hoppy hazy type of ipas so i feel you on that when when you go to the parks and people don't know you and you just go up and dunk what's that reaction like you yeah. know, white man can't jump. That don't apply to you. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I think like I go when I go to these parks. Like sometimes I try. Like, do you ever fuck with people? People that yeah. don't know you. 
Just I, like I, like the whole Uncle Drew shit. I mean, I used to do more stuff. Like I used to try to like bet people like, you don't think I could jump over this person or you don't think I could do this and like try to make money. Now, like, I don't know. I just kind of like keep to myself. Like when I was in Miami, it was cool because like no one knew who I was because I was mm. just like coming out of nowhere. Um, but I would keep going to the same park all the time and playing pickup. And eventually you started to get respect. And then like, you catch like it, I, I don't like it's hard for me to catch an in-game dunk like I'm only six feet like I need to like the right situation the right path to the basket like everything needs to work out or like a fast break so you don't get that every single time but eventually like it would happen here and there and then everyone would be like wow like I didn't know you had that in you and then like I usually throw down a couple of dunks like in between games just to like see if I still ha- still got it um but but yeah it's definitely one of the best feelings um you know also just playing basketball at a high level looking like someone who maybe can't um it's definitely one of the best feelings i think it just goes you know i've always kind of been like an underdog athlete and i think i really um maximized my basketball career like i don't think playing pro is ever supposed to be like in my path coming from like a suburban as a six foot white guy from a suburban town in florida with no scholarship offers at a high school um so I think I just really love proving people wrong and and it's cool that now like it's turned into overtime which was like a startup that many people counted out in the beginning and now like collectively we're proving people wrong so I'm all about and we have a great team at overtime so it, it almost feels like I'm on a basketball team like trying to win a championship every day going to work so it's pretty cool and all your work revolves around sports so it's like yeah. nothing really it is, it is crazy it is crazy like I, sometimes i feel like i'm like wow this is insane like I'm you get survivor's I, guilt yeah where you kind of feel like maybe it's just survivor's guilt. i mean i i feel like yeah I, I think there's there's been a few lucky things for me it's like growing up i was always into video editing and like video and sports and basketball and stuff like that and luckily like video just became so crazy in the digital era right it's like social media started out with just photos and then instagram has like if you think about instagram it was just photos and now and like facebook was just statuses right and and everything's turned into video right um short form video long form video um so i think that i got really lucky um that the world just moved in that direction um but i also think like there's like so like i've actually been working on this for so long like when i was in seventh grade like i was like illegally downloading like nba clips and like making kobe bryant mixes like in my class in like classes on like windows movie maker like i was making like desktop wallpapers with like my favorite mets players and like have it be my like on photoshop like all self-taught um so like i always had this creative side to me to like create content before that word even existed um and i was always just so focused on basketball that I never put so much time into it. And now I'm actually focusing more on content and a little less on basketball because that's more in my job. Um, but somehow it just keeps crossing back over to the point where now like playing basketball is still kind of in my, it's like, I, it's still part of my work in a sense. Like I'm creating content around me playing basketball and that contributes to like my own social media. Um, and it's also crossed over into some of overtime stuff too. So it's really crazy. I mean, I definitely am so grateful. Um, you know, I'd like to think I manifested some of this stuff on my own, but I've been really fortunate and um, to get the opportunity, you know, from a lot of the co- from our co-founders, Dan and Zach, over time, 
Um, and really they just, you know, more than anything, they just empowered me to figure it out. Um, and, and that, and that goes for a lot of, a lot of us. And I think that it's just been really great. And that's the benefit of working at a startup is that Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's like, Hey, like you got to do this job, this job, this job, and like figure it out as opposed to like when you work at a big corporate company, it's like, Hey, like you're employee number 1,637. And like, you'll be doing this this week and you'll be doing that next week. It's like, I need to have my hands in a lot of things. And I always was so curious to like how the business worked. And I always wanted to know everything. Um, and I still, to this day, even though we're growing, um, I'm still like, I have my hands in so many things and that's what keeps me energized and going for sure. Yeah. It also, it's refreshing and it doesn't get boring. Yes. A lot of times doing the same shit gets stale. And also I think you definitely manifested that if you're editing at such a young age and like the self-taught thing, like I learned how to do all this stuff on my own, you know, like one of my friends showed me and he was like, yo, look, I could show you. And this is something that really resonated with me from day one. It's like, man, I could promote you all you want. I can, you know, put you on, but like, I can't make people stay and like really fuck with you. Like you have to do that. You know, like I could give you a look, but then from there, it's your job to continue and, you know, keep them. And I mean, yeah, I think you definitely manifested all the stuff that you're doing. Last question I want to ask you before we start to wrap up, because I know you got to go. You've been able to interact with a lot of athletes. I've seen some of your pictures and creeped on your Instagram and shit. How different is it when, have you played with any professional basketball players like just pick up and like how different is the levels like you always hear dudes say like yo that guy sucks and he's like the 12th man on the bench yeah so so yeah so in america there's like like i don't people have no idea how good nba players are it's like there's only 400 jobs right and then there's like there's this other pool of american basketball players from like like the best players on the d3 and d2 and d1 teams and like okay some of those guys are playing overseas making really good money some are making overseas playing no money and some like just stop playing ball and are coaching or doing whatever, but there's still a lot of those players. Right. So I'm like in that, in that pool, I'm like on the bottom end of like, there's really no league for them because if you look at the overseas model, like you were saying with soccer, right. It's like, okay, there's like a, like in England, there's like a first division, second division, third, there's like seven professional leagues in England. Mm-hmm, like they're mm-hmm. all pros. There's no universities, but they're like pros. Right. So it's like, and, and, and then in America we have, you know, the MLS, the USL, and then division one, two, and three soccer. So like the way I look at it is like division one, two, and three is kind of like the third, fourth, and fifth pro league in America. Right. So if you play division three soccer in America, in my mind, you're playing like fifth league pro soccer, which isn't the highest level. Cause we know Amer- like division one soccer in America isn't as good as like the fifth league in England. Right. So it's, so it's like with basketball, we're the best country. America is the best country. So if you played Division one, two, or three, you know, what is it? It's like the NBA, the G League, and then Division one is like the third league. So that's how I look at it. So it's like, if I like for the really good Division three players, like they are playing fifth league pro in America, which is like one of the best leagues. It's comparable to me playing like fifth league pro England soccer. Um, so, but, but there's no league for us, right? You go to college and you're done. So you got to play in like the New York, the New York leagues, but we're not getting paid. So there's like this like semi pro. Uh, zone and they're really and it's really good players. So to go to your question, have I played pickup against like really really good NBA players? Um, the only one I played with was with Dwayne Wade, which was amazing. But he was on my team and he was kind of coasting. Um, so like, what's but, uh, his coasting like? So yeah, well, one he was like 
out of his prime and coasting, but he was still going into his last season, which was really productive. It was a really productive season. And obviously he's like one of the greatest players ever, like probably the second best shooting guard ever to play or third best shooting guard ever to play. I guess it's like Michael Kobe and him, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, I'd agree with that. And James Harden's just not there. Maybe statistically, but like he's got to win some championships. But um, yeah, I mean, it was like, it was just so surreal because like growing up in South Florida, I watched Dwayne Wade more than anyone else because I just didn't have a choice because that was the only game <laughs> on. But hey, not I, a bad person to watch yeah, though. I grew I grew to be like, you know, he was really one of my favorite players. Like in college, I was number three because of him. Um, and to be able to play with him was like the greatest thing ever um, and be on his team and like, but he would, you know, he'd have these moments where it was like, damn, like he like Euroed someone and like did a little floater. And I was like, he got in the lane, like did a pump fake, like pulled up, did a pump fake. I'm like, damn. Cause you know, the Dwayne Wade pump fake is like insane. It gets everyone. And I was like, so he had these moments where I was like, damn, that's Dwayne Wade. And it's like at any moment he probably could do whatever he wants. Um, but he was kind of chilling and just having fun. So that was amazing. Um, and then, I mean, like when I played in Israel, like I played against, I played against pretty good pros, like guys like this guy, Terrell Harris, I think that was his name. He played on the Heat years back, and, like, I played against him. And, like, these guys are amazing, and, like, like they'll never play in the NBA again. Or, like, they'll ne- or they, they played in the Summer League but never will sign an NBA contract, and they're unbelievable. Um, and there's just nothing you could do. Like, they have so much size, length, athleticism, and the skill. And, like, for someone like me, like, I know, like, there's just, like – there's just a limit and like everyone thinks like yo like put me out there i could score like nine points a game and it's like maybe if you put me in the nba like i could hit a corner three in a real game maybe i don't know but like it doesn't matter because you have to have the pedigree you have to have the resume you have to put up the numbers you have to have the game film you have to play to this level and this level and this level before to get there um and there's always people that break through and able to do it but but yeah shout out to all the hoopers out there that like they just never got like <laughs> They like in any other country, if in any other sport, like they'd be making a decent living. Like, like there's dudes that are playing in the West Fourth League I play now that like they should be making like 50, 60 grand a year playing basketball, but there's just no league like that here in America. Um, so shout out to them, but for the love of the game, yeah. So <laughs> put some respect on the 12th guy on the bench in the NBA, like they're better at basketball than you'll probably be at anything in your life. Um, but so was, that, that's just a message to everyone. So. There was a, that video a couple of months ago of that dude that was calling out Scalabrini, right? Like he's always like the focal point of like getting criticized by NBA Twitter. Yeah. Like, this dude had moments in NBA finals and in playoffs and exactly. he beat the, he beat the kid. Like, I think they were playing for sneakers and he beat the kid like 12, nothing. Yeah. Shut him out. And it's like, it's like, yeah, like is Scalabrini the greatest athlete? No, but like he figured out, he figured something out. Like either he was a great guy in the locker room or he just was good enough that he could be that slow or like he just had unique skills or mm-hmm. like, or, or whatever, you know, and it's also like maybe he got drafted to the right team and was able to produce the way he could have. Whereas like someone who's better than him got drafted to a team that was a worse situation. Like basketball, like sports in general is so out of your control. And that's like the biggest, like hardest part mentally to deal with is like between injuries, politics, situations, you know, it's it's like you're 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 basically like you're put like your destiny is in like whether your coach believes in you or not, realistically. Yeah. Um and then it's also like you never know who they're gonna get. You never know who they're gonna trade for, you never know who's gonna transfer into your school. Like there's just guys that are better. So it's really out of control, it's tough. There's a lot of good basketball players out there that should have made a little bit of money playing and they never did. Um but yeah, all in all, like 
Don't think you can play against NBA players. All right. I feel like you're talking about yourself over there with basketball players that should have made some more money. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very happy with my basketball career. Like like I said, like I think I I don't think I had any business like playing four years of college ball and then playing uh, overseas. But I do think there's like another like I always say this like if I live ten lives, I think there's like two or three lot of those lives where like my career went a little bit smoother. You know what I mean? Um, I always say that it's like, people ask me like, would you ever live in Miami? I'm like, if I can live 10 lives, I think my like seventh life I live in Miami, but I only live one. So I'm going to live in New York. You know what I, I mean? respect that. I respect that, man. Dude, this was fun. I appreciate picking your brain. And I learned a lot about this overtime league and just overtime as a brand and, and about you too, man. So I appreciate you coming by. Where can they find you? What's your social media? I know you got alter egos and shit. Like, yeah. this is where you could plug away. Yeah, I, I got a lot of identities on social media. It's a bit confusing. But on Instagram, there's two accounts, Overtime Mikey, which is more like my personal account, like kind of like my lifestyle account. And then at Better Bounce, which is 100% focused on basketball. All my content is pretty much focused on just helping young basketball players get better, whether that's like breaking down certain moves, doing certain workouts, Um you know, anything, anything I can do to try to give back all the things that I know through my content, taking my basketball expertise, video editing, putting it all together, creating content. Um, and it's really been great to see that account grow. And then on TikTok, which is actually my best platform right now, hmm. Overtime Mikey on TikTok, just past 500,000 followers. You got to check it out. It's kind of a blend of everything. It's like basketball content to help you get better, but also like fun, entertainment, um, NBA, hot takes. Um, and I kind of have figured out my style on there and it's, it's a, it's a really a great platform. I do a lot of like voiceover videos on there. So definitely catch me on there. And then overtime, we're everywhere, every single platform, you know, but a special plug to our, probably our, one of our newest verticals at overtime, which is overtime kicks. It's like our sneakers and culture, like sneaker culture vertical. Um, so make sure you follow overtime kicks on Instagram and TikTok. We got 1.3 million followers on TikTok. We're the biggest sneaker account on TikTok. So make sure you look out for that. Love it. Love it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.